0: Marking the Role, a podcast for teachers. My name is Phil Dye. This is episode three. And in episode two, we looked at what would make teachers stay in the profession. Because like teachers all over the world, teachers in Australia are leaving the profession after about eight years as the average. So we put out a survey that asked teachers what criteria they would need in order to stay in profession. Overwhelmingly, number one was the reduction of administrative work. Administration seems to be completely burning teachers out. And in today's episode, I interview Paul Martin, the CEO of Nessa, to answer some of those questions about administration. So admin was number one. Number two was Teachers needed stronger behaviour policies that stop the abuse and the disrespect of teachers. This seems to be a big one. It's bigger than salary. So um, in future weeks, we'll be looking more carefully at behaviour. But we'll be mentioning it today as well, especially the administrative work that's necessary with the behavior and incident reporting. And the third thing was a salary increase of between six and ten percent. Um, so that was pretty big, but it wasn't number one. Okay, so what was the next two? It gets us down to down to five, four days a week. Teaching with one day of administration. That was favored amongst the uh, in the survey and by the way we had 87 Respondents to that survey. And number five was less intrusion by educational bureaucracies. There was a lot more as well, but they were the top five. And if you want to see the exact results of the survey, you can go to filtered.com.au. So that's P H I L T E R E D.com.au. And under the podcast tab, you'll see there's a tab for the results. Regular. Listeners will know that we have a brain break every 15 minutes. A brain break in teaching uh, gives students a chance to bring their neuron electricity down before they get it up again, pretty essential. Um, uh, And we've had requests from both weeks for more of the same. More of the same from We Mavericks from episode one and from the Water Runners from episode two. So, in order to satisfy both sets of listeners, we'll have one track from each. But, Before that, I interviewed Paul Martin, the CEO of Nessa, and Nessa seems to be the source of much of the administrative woe that teachers are experiencing. But before we get into the questions, I asked Paul to just outline his teaching and education background.
1: Okay, Phil. um, So I'm currently the Uh, CEO of the New South Wales Education Standards Authority. Uh, I was working at uh, NESA and its predecessor organisations, BosTes, the Board of Studies Teaching and Educational Standards and the Board of Studies, um, and the New South Wales Institute of Teachers before that in various roles in relation to uh, policy or strategic policy, um, the teacher quality areas uh, of uh, uh, professional learning. Um, Prior to that, I worked as a... Uh, a, a policy advisor for federal and state government ministers. Um, going right back, I was an English history teacher uh, at a number of high schools in Sydney.
0: Okay. Um, Paul, our research states that all well, the criteria they need to stay in the profession is that administrative tasks need to decrease by 50%. That rate's above pay, far above the need for more pay, and is the number one with teachers. Do you acknowledge that teachers are suffering from an administrative sort of burnout?
1: It's certainly been the case that there has been much more public comment about teacher workload and um, the requirements around administrative burden in the last few years than there were previously. I would acknowledge that. I would say that teachers have always felt that there were tasks that got in the way of their uh, teaching and learning work, but that that has um, reached a much louder um, volume in the last couple of years.
0: And, and that would be possibly because of the the greater administrative tasks that are put on them. Would you Would you think that?
1: I think that in 2022 or 2020 or recently, there are more expectations of teachers to comply with a range of. Um, requirements that uh, in fact I would say most workers in many many fields have to do that if I think about um, taking students on an excursion in the um, you know 1980s or 90s there might have been a note go home and uh, and the teacher takes the students on the excursion etc uh, these days such a, a process would be three or four times harder to do and much more involved I think that's the same with work health and safety requirements out of school I think there are expectations around uh, programming and planning um, and assessing and reporting um, that uh, uh, have have become more um, uh, complex and uh, therefore that yes, that things have changed in the last little while. Some of it is is very important work, though. I mean, it's not as if um, we can't um, we can do away with programming and planning and assessing and reporting, but extraneous work certainly should uh, should be minimised got to try and get the balance right between work that they need to do and what might be called busy or bureaucratic, and that's not always uh, easy to differentiate.
0: Some teachers uh, saying, and one said last week in the podcast, that uh, he was doing so much administrative work, he had to go back to teaching from the textbook, uh, as he simply didn't have the time to prepare the motivating stuff like he did 10 years ago, and this was a guy who'd been teaching for 20-plus you know, years. Do you see that, that that could well be a problem, that that there's so much administrative work that the the, the motivating and the stimulating stuff that we used to do, um, that has to slip by in order to just tick these boxes?
1: Look, I, I think characterising some of the workers' box ticking is probably um, uh, not necessarily accurate. If I can go to the expectations we have at NESA for a teacher... They, they um, have to complete 100 hours of PD over five years. Um, that's uh, you know, 20 hours a year. Um, they have always done that. In fact, they do much more than that. So what we ask of them is to tell us the PD they've done of, of that volume. That's not necessarily a significant amount of work. Other than that, um, the day-to-day work they do is largely... Um, Around the nature of the students they're teaching, or the part of the or, or the subject that they teach, or perhaps some in requirements by um, employers and employing authorities, but um, it's not necessarily the case that the workloads of teachers have increased because of the requirements by NESA.
0: Not not data needs, not not the the requirement for for the data as how the students going. I mean, we used to evaluate twice a year or three times a year. Um, but some are saying that there is a consistent need for, for, for data which has eclipsed the need for creative teaching. Well, I
1: think p- putting up data versus data collection versus creativity or creative teaching is not necessarily accurate anyway. I mean, the, the, the assessment of students is at, is at the core of teaching. Um, it's like a doctor's diagnosis. We don't know what to teach unless we know where the student is at in relation to uh, the subject or the content area. your your day-to-day teaching is predicated on a thousand pieces of assessment, some formal and some informal. Some is walking around the room and noticing that the student has written two lines and others is uh, a a formulaic or a test, diagnostic or um, formative or summative. To suggest that one mitigates against the other is a sort of simplification of both, I would argue. Having said that, I'm not gonna deny the major point that's being made there, that teaching has become more complex and there are more demands on the teacher. The point I would go to, though, is what what is absolutely necessary for them to be a teacher in a classroom now and do the complex work that they need to do, and what is, as I said earlier, extraneous. But I'd, I'd be ner- nervous of suggesting that assessment um, is not teaching or doesn't have a role or a relationship to teaching.
0: Uh, yeah. Look, I, I understand it does. It was important when I was teaching too, um, but it certainly wasn't the it's seemingly the, the the demand for the data that we've got today. Um, some teachers have reported that over half of their students in a mainstream class, and this is not a special school and not a special class, are on the NCCD list, um, and you you obviously know what that is. Uh, In other words, half of the students in in the classes are labelled in some ways disabled and each teacher has to fill out an individual report on a regular basis back to the NCCD for that. Now, is there anything that could be done to relieve this stress? I know that you can't talk on behalf of the NCCD. This, as well as, as NESA administrative tasks, is really tipping teachers over. Uh,
1: there's a whole range of things there, Phil. Firstly, and I'll go back to the previous point, we don't require teachers to complete, comply, or complete data lists. NESA simply uh, asks teachers to maintain their teaching practice um, as observed by their school and their supervision at their school and do the 100 hours of PD I mentioned earlier. And once every five years, someone says, who's a supervisor, that you maintain your proficiency as a teacher, you're still a licensed professional. So the data requirements are often driven by other factors, certainly not by NESA. I'm not saying they're bad or good, I'm just saying that they're not, generally speaking, in necessary. In relation to students with special needs in classrooms, again, the profile of students has changed quite significantly in the last 25 years, and I think we would all support and applaud the fact that um, students with special needs are integrated into mainstream classes. Um, we don't have the the same um, differentiation as we used to have where students were not um, in the same classes as or some students were not in the same classes as other students. The process of um, of employers and employing authorities or governments identifying uh, what students uh, require additional support is necessarily uh, does necessarily involve uh, teachers and health professionals making judgments about the effects of the disability on the student performance. Um, and I, I understand your point, but again, these are not requirements by NESA. These are requirements often by government agencies with the best intent of making sure that individual students are well supported. But I I take the point that a, a t- classroom teacher walking into a class in 2022 is looking at a different arrangement, uh, a group of students than one might have in the 1960s. But uh, a significant, Reason for that is the great strides we've made in making sure that every student gets the education they deserve.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I spent um, three years working in the disability sector, and and um, I uh, look. I know that it would be great to have some of those uh, individuals i was dealing with in the classroom, but would also be very, very difficult for a teacher to um, have them in the room. And there is no way that some of those individuals could learn. Anything in the same way as another student could? Um, do you acknowledge that 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 causes a problem for for teachers? Well,
1: I again would say that uh, the, the organisation of classrooms and who which students are in which class and the support they get is all um, a responsibility of the school and the and the teaching authority, independent, Catholic or government, and each school has different methodologies um, for. Uh, constructing and organising classes, though there would be some common elements I would suggest, but you'd have to talk to the authorities about the process of um, assessing students to get support. What I would say that our standards, the teaching standards, the Australian teaching standards, um, require teachers to be able to adjust their lessons to meet the range of learners. Mixed ability teaching has um, been reasonably uh, dominant in Australian and international schools for 50 years probably, and that's always uh, required teachers to not just teach to the middle, but to appropriately um, uh, attenuate their lessons for the needs of all students. I think the range of students is probably greater because of the issues you raised in relation to students with disability, but a good professional needs to be able to um, appropriately deliver so that every student is moving. Having said that, it's a difficult job. I'm never going to under um, uh, underestimate just how hard it is to be a teacher in the in, uh, in modern era. It's, it's very demanding. But the requirement to make sure that every student gets opportunities in the classroom is not only uh, um, required under various types of legislation, our teaching standards would say that that is at the very core of being a professional. Um, the supports, the supports that teachers get for that is a matter between them and their employer. It's a matter of whether um, at your particular school or system or sector uh, provides you with appropriate or additional support. And that's not something that I can talk about. It's generally an industrial matter, or at least uh, um, it's part of industrial arguments. What we would say, though, is um, that teachers need to be supported so that they can continue to maintain their professional standards.
0: And we're going to leave Paul Martin, CEO of NESA, for a little while. We'll come back to him. But it's good to hear that at the end of that last piece, he said that teachers need the support from outside agencies. And uh, from my discussions, a lot of teachers aren't getting that support. Or it's being left up to the school who simply can't afford it. Now it's time for one of our brain breaks, just to give your brain a little bit of a chance to relax. And this is a track from the Water Runners, pretty popular from last episode, a band from the Illawarra, and it's their song Jamberoo Mountain. <laughs>
2: What? Wow. Ditch my mobile phone and lose those Jambo Room Mountain, Jambo Room Mountain Blues. Yes, I stay at home and lose those Jambo Mountain Blues. Yes, I stay at home and lose those Jambo
0: Mountain blue. And that was the Water Runners with their track Jamboree Mountain. You can get that anywhere you get your music. Um, now back to Paul Martin, the CEO of Nessa. I asked him about tertiary teacher training and how well it was doing its job. I know that some teachers have expressed a great deal of concern about the lack of um, readiness that teacher trainees have when they first come out.
1: So teacher education courses are a bit of a whipping boy for um, um, uh, various commentators. Um, It's always the fault of, and I'm not suggesting you're in this um, grouping, Phil, but it's always uh, the case that whenever there is a question mark about or, or an argument about the quality of teaching, people say fix up the teacher education courses. I think there's been over 100 reviews of teacher education over the last 20 or so years. Um, they generally come back with some similar uh, themes, one of which is teachers need to know how to manage classes better. Um, then there are uh, also the arguments around, um, do teachers know their content and um, can they do the, you know, will, have have enough knowledge of their their subject discipline. There are ranges of of sort of common complaints about teacher education courses. In uh, New South Wales, I think it was under Minister Chadwick, but it was certainly a long time ago now, there was a mandated uh, course uh, unit in um, teaching students with special needs. It's been a mandated course for a very long time. I think New South Wales may be the first state to introduce it. As well as that, every single um, method course where teachers are learning how to adjust their lessons appropriately would would have a fair amount on dealing with the students with special needs or the range of students in the class. Um, there's about 120, I think, teacher education courses in New South Wales. They vary quite uh, widely, but um, I think that they've slowly, um, uh, with the support of NESA, and uh, various uh, rules put in by state and federal governments and their own under their own steam have, have become much better than they were 25 years ago. I, I certainly think a young person coming out with a master's qualification at Macquarie University or one of the other unis would be much better equipped than somebody in 1985 coming out when I did with a one-year dip-ed. Um, but they, it's a hard job and whatever way you come out as a teacher when you have first um, graduated, that the leap from the practicum or the professional experience to, to, to a full-time classroom teacher is quite a significant one. So um, I understand the point, but I think that we've been getting slowly better and that uh, when teachers get into teaching and they have proper mentoring and proper supervision and proper support, they become professional reasonably quickly.
0: However, it's not just the content of university courses that could be the problem. Perhaps it's something else. Perhaps it's the the people that are going in to our university tertiary courses for teaching. Uh, Rhonda Delaney's a teacher that pulls no punches. She says it like it is, and she doesn't care about the consequences. Um, and she had this to say.
1: So, yeah, there was a while there
3: uh, where people had, could get into university to become teachers on a very low ATAR. Um, and that, it's sort of like a slap in the
1: face to people that got into teaching with a higher ATAR. If you get people who aren't very bright or aren't very well educated, you're not
3: going to get your best teachers. So if you attract smart people who want to be there for the right reasons, then you ought to pay them.
0: And as we've heard from last week, the teaching profession is not well paid, especially compared to other fields of work that a person can go into these days. But smart people aren't going to go to a job where compliance is the only thing that's needed from them. They don't want to be a cog in a wheel. Uh, they want to use their motivation skills, their creativity uh, in order to get the best results. And that is something that perhaps is not required much of teachers these days. Compliance is the key word when it comes to teachers and compliance is certainly the key word when it comes to their professional development.
1: I would say that their compliance PD or professional learning is has always been there. I mean, child protection legislation or work health and safety or various government um, legislative requirements are things that teachers have to be kept up to date with in the same way a doctor would or a lawyer would in relation to the expectations and requirements of their profession. We mandate in New South Wales that teachers have to do PD in priority areas, and that relates to uh, curriculum, uh, teaching students with special needs, teaching Aboriginal students, has um, roles and relationships in terms of assessment, etc. So we then allow teachers to do what they wish to do. In order to maintain um, their professional accreditation, all we need to know is. Have you done it? When did you do it? And what did you think of it? It is it is it is certainly bureaucratic, of course it is, but I would hope that it's not onerous and it's been simplified many, many times. I think there's a lot of PD out there that's not very good. Um, one of the things we do is we evaluate what the, t- the teachers evaluate and we look at what they've evaluated and we get a sense of it as well. Um, but we think that the teachers themselves are best placed to decide what works and what doesn't rather than us at NESA. We just define the categories and the areas. Um, And we'll keep getting that. It will keep getting better, I think.
0: And it's not only the teachers who have to comply. It seems that everyone who rings up NESA and everyone who answers their phone also must comply.
1: Welcome to the New South Wales Education Standards Authority. Please be advised that all our calls may be recorded for quality, compliance and training purposes.
0: I hope I complied, and I hope if I'm assessed, my uh, evaluation turns out well. I did ask Paul Martin about assessment and evaluation.
1: Assessment is probably, we talked about it earlier, the most complex work that teachers have to do, and I would argue at the core of the teaching learning process. And I don't mean sitting marking tests or quizzes or NAPLAN. I mean deep, um, highly intellectual judgements of student performance mapped to uh, teaching and learning programs and subject content. So a person who's running an assessment program for a whole school is exhibiting significant um, accomplishment as a teacher or perhaps even leadership as a teacher. One of the great things about the standards and the work that we're doing, it's opened up these opportunities to talk about the domains and parts of teaching, to allow teachers to have a common language, to understand the work they do, and also to to be able to say, this is not just standing in front of kids, this is an, an immensely complex task that um, requires high intellect, deep knowledge, and utter commitment to students. Um, But it is difficult. There's no one denying that. And like everything in the last couple of years, it's been made more difficult by COVID.
0: And so we're nearly at the end of our chat with uh, Paul Martin, who believes that assessment is the most complex and at the core of the teaching learning process. I guess that's why the high school certificate has been written by hand for the last, uh, I don't know, 100 years. I wrote an article for the Sydney Morning Herald in 2011 called Time for the Digital Exam. And uh, it's taken a long time for that message to actually be heard. But um, it seems sometime soon, HSC students will be able to use a laptop or a computer. So that'll be great. Paul Martin. CEO of NESA, thanks for being a guest on Marking the Roll.
1: Absolutely, Phil. It's been a pleasure. And um, uh, I, as I said earlier, I, I couldn't but uh, congratulate the teachers of New South Wales and Australia. They've done an amazing job over the last couple of years.
0: Yes, they certainly have. And I think they deserve a little bit more money and a little bit less admin work. But anyway, we'll work towards that. Um, we're nearly towards the end, but we're going to round off Uh, This episode with a few other comments, but first off our second brain break with a track by We Mavericks.
2: Clothing tight to keep the cold air out I think she paints her face to hide the hurt I know she paints her nails to hide the dirt A loose screw Watch you don't lose her To the rattling of the road The stresses of the overload She's part of the engine Holding it together And she's working her way Undone Like a loose screw So give her some attention Will you? Lest you lose her She's dancing all alone. I think she pulls you in to test your balance. I know she pushes back to check her arm. I'll loose her, watch Till the rattling of the road, the stresses of the overload, she's And she's working her way undone Like a loose screw So give her some attention, will ya? Lest you lose her
0: And that was Illawarra duo We Mavericks with their track Loose Screw. And you can listen to them wherever you get your music. Now, uh, I had a message from a teacher who was only fairly new to the profession. um, And she wanted me to read this out um, because it indicated that new teachers also were having trouble. This is her words. I want administration that respect the teachers know their craft and profession, the freedom to get PD in areas we recognize our weaknesses in rather than school wide mandated PD. And I, that's the end of the quote. And I guess it's um, really going back to uh, what Paul was saying, that a lot of it is simply compliance. um but this teacher wanted to have PD where she needed it, and I think that that's fair enough. I also, via Facebook, received a great message from Melissa Somerville, uh, and this is not her voice, but it is her message.
3: I am an RFFK6 music teacher since 1998, After taking a few years off for parental leave, I have just returned to the profession in the last three years. Upon my return, I was shocked by the increase in workload for general primary teachers. I wholeheartedly agree with the sentiments shared in your podcast about the focus on data collection, which has shifted the emphasis away from developing relationships with the students it really does break my heart as I truly believe that effective learning is built upon a solid foundation of friendship and connection. If a teacher is not given the time and space to intentionally develop this with their students, how can we expect students to be open to learning?
0: And I wanted to finish off this episode really answering a comment that I received during the week uh, from a woman who was very angry at me for even suggesting that students with a disability be excluded in mainstream classes. Um, I didn't actually say that, but I did say that I had an experience uh, with my daughter at my daughter's school, and you'll have to listen back to uh, episode two to find out what that was. Um, the truth is I've dealt with disabled people for a long time. I worked with them full-time for three years. Um, and I worked with a, a marvellous young man called Charlie. He was blind, he was nonverbal, he was autistic, and he had cerebral palsy. I used to work with him once a week for a full day, sometimes twice a week. And we'd do some terrific things. He loved to laugh. He loved to go swimming He loved to beat the drum when I played the guitar. He loved to ride one of those three-wheeler or four-wheel bikes around Centennial Park and sit there and and help drive it along. But I would have hated to see him in a mainstream classroom learning about tessellated shapes. Now, thankfully, his mum opted for a different system because the inclusive way needed the school to adapt to his needs. And she knew that that could never happen, that it could never happen in terms of the content that he needed, uh, that the facilities that he needed, the specialist teachers he needed, and the finances that the school had to give to that. Now, most students with a disability will be just fine in an inclusive mainstream school. But some, like Charlie, need the resources and understanding far beyond what a mainstream school and an overworked, underpaid teacher with 25-plus other students in the class can provide. I hope you've enjoyed episode three of Marking the Role. Please tell your colleagues about it. It comes out every Wednesday. The next episode is on behaviour. Yes, the number two issue with teachers ahead of salary, that teachers are being abused, disrespected, and they need it to stop. And I'd love to hear your stories and your experiences of bad behavior, perhaps the abuse that you've had to tolerate during your career. If you just go to filtered.com.au, that's P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D.com.au, look up Marking the Role there and you can send me some of the experiences that you might have had. You can also do it via a Facebook text message or a voice message. And also our phone number is on the Facebook page. You've been listening to Marking the Role. My name is Phil Dye. I'll see you next week. (music)